There are lots of lousy businesses, and there's lots of wonderful businesses. It's the art and science of money. My job has been to try and figure out which is which. It's Hi-Fi Radio from the Global News Radio Studios in Toronto with Hi-Fi Portfolio Managers. Here's Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle. Uh, good evening, my friends. Welcome to the show about money. I hope you had a fine week, and I hope you're having a fine weekend. Uh, pleasure to spend an hour with you each and every Saturday. My right-hand man, Jack Hartle, standing by. Um, we're going to do a little financial planning tune-up. Plans matter. Uh, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Uh, a financial plan is really an on going concern. Uh, who knows this better than Laura Borbadakis? She is our in-house wealth and estate planner, works very closely with each and every one of our clients to help fortify a solid financial plan. Uh, Laura, let's jump right to that point. A financial plan is not an event per se, although many people treat it as an event and usually later rather than sooner, but rather it's a process. Uh, that really begins, it should begin day one when you get a dollar into your hand. So let, let, let's speak to that. Let, let's speak to um, some good habits uh, that, that we can offer to the listener uh, so they have sounder financial plans and why you must start now and have it as an ongoing concern. Yes. Um, the reason that we want to start right away is because we want to be able to adjust the plan as our lives change. So, like you said, when you start making money, typically you uh, might want to start buying a house, you want to start a family. And so your needs also evolve with, with time. So you need to be planning um, accordingly. And, and as things change, as your jobs change, as your life uh, changes, your kids get older and so on and so forth, um, we need to be adjusting to make sure that uh, there's enough money that's being saved for, for children, for example, for retirement. Uh, in some cases, some people want to leave an estate, charitable donations. Okay, well, we're, we're going well down the road, and you're moving very quick here, Laura. What I want to do is as follows. Number one, how much of one's paycheck should one save? Obviously, the answer, it depends. Um, but let's get down to basics. What should be the goal Uh as soon as you graduate, how much of your income should you be saving? Once you get newly married, how much should you target to save, et cetera, et cetera? How much should you be targeting to save really does depend. It depends on your salary um, and, and the goals that you have put aside. Um, if we want to use um, RSPs as an example, and, and you know, not everybody can do it, but... Um, we can start with that and maybe start putting 10% away. And then um, as, as the salary gets bigger, start putting a little bit more. Um, but the idea is to try to put money aside for yourself first before you're going to spend it. And that way um, you're, you're not noticing that you're saving it, that your, your assets start to grow. You, well, yeah, you know, what you want to do is yeah, you, you want to you save first, spend what's left. Um, and again, sorry, Jack. Uh, Look, here's my mantra, and this is what I did, and Lara, it worked very well for me, Jack, and attest to that. Uh, when I was single and I was living at home, I was banking money like you could not believe. So if you're, you know, 18 to 24 and you're 18 to 30, you're still living at home, 
you better be banking a lot of money. And at that point is when you can begin to invest your money. So, you know, again, put yourself in a 25-year-old shoes. You're living at home. You're, you got your first job. You're making 50 grand or 40 grand or 30 grand a year, whatever the number should be. You have an opportunity to truly put aside some serious nuts each and every year, 15, 20, 25,000 a year. That's right, at that age. Uh, and you watch that money compound compound over the next 40 years if you have the discipline to do so because because 15 grand today or 15 grand 40 years from now compounded properly well i'm talking five doubles so 15 becomes 30 60 120 240 oh my goodness means almost a half a million dollars at a 10 percent rate of return that is not undoable that's what the s p 500 did so i go back to if you're young and you just began your job, you're at home, you must save aggressively. Yes, the wealthy barber teaches us to save 10%. I don't think that's enough, and I think that's highly adjustable. And what we tend to do, Laura and Jack, you can both attest to this from firsthand witnessing, is that as our salaries go up, we spend incrementally more money and worry about the saving later. But the magic of compounding is time and that you have when you're very, very young. But let's go now back to experience. Uh, and again, Jack, so you can pipe in here on this one here. Uh, you know, we witness with our clients them for the most part maxing out their RSPs and that can be up to 18% of earned income with a maximum ceiling of around $28,000 per year. Um, so do you think that's enough, Laura? Do you think just maxing out an RSP will work for most Canadians or do you think they should go above and beyond that with a, a savings and investment plan? Well, again, it depends if they're going to have a pension. Some people have a pension with their work. Um, it depends on their lifestyle. But um, generally, it would be a good idea to to start the tax-free savings account also, where you can start putting money there, uh, growing on a tax-free basis. Um, again, it's going to depend on, on the lifestyle. But the more that, that you can put away that compounding will work for you at the younger age. And, you know, in some cases, you may be able to retire sooner. So I totally agree with what you said, Wolf. If when you're young and you have that opportunity to be living at home and not have to pay expenses, that gives you a very, very big start in life. Yeah, don't blow it, friends. Do not blow the opportunity when it's right there in front of you. Same thing. So now you enter, I remember the old Carlsberg years, uh, your early 30s, and you may not have children yet. You, you may be li living in sin, common law, call it what you want, uh, where you now have two incomes and no kids. Once again, a huge opportunity to bank money. And again, you use the word goals, Laura. Why don't we just say to have a lot of money? Forget the individual. I want a card. Forget. It doesn't matter. Just put money aside and invest it. Buy assets, good quality assets. I'm talking about stocks. I'm talking about real estate. I'm not talking about depreciating assets and Gucci Gucci shoes and Gucci purses. No, no, no. I'm talking about Microsoft and Google and Facebook and a, your, a condo and a house. Quality, quality assets. You buy those puppies and you put them away. That is how you become wealthy. Jack, sorry, over to you. Yeah, just to jump in there, Wolf, uh, and, and to echo what Laura said, it really depends on what your income and then your expectations are in retirement, if it's going to be enough for you, whether, you know, the 18% for the RSP. So look at it this way, Wolf, and what I would consider around 175, 165 to 170 income. You know, if you're putting away 18% of that, that gets you close to the threshold for the, um, for the RSP contribution limit. So if you're doing in that, um, in say 175 and lower, 
I would think your RSP will most likely, and again, it's not guaranteed for everyone. Most likely, you mean earning? Sorry, if you're earning, if you're earning, <clears throat> yes, if your gross income is right. one seventy five, you're putting away about eighteen percent. You're getting basically close to that um, RSP contribution limit. Now, if you're making five hundred thousand dollars, and again, there are people out there doing that. Obviously, your RSP will not be enough for you. It, it just won't because you've got a lifestyle, like you said. I'm going to say it's a, an inflated lifestyle just because of the spending that you had, whether it's keeping up with the Joneses or just that, you know, that you like, like nice things, you're going to have to save on top of that. Um, but getting back to the average Canadian, if you're saving, say you're making, uh, and then it's not the average game, say you're making $150,000. and Household saving, income, household income. Yeah, and you're saving 20% of that in your RSP or 18% of it. It's not actually costing you 18% because that marginal tax rate, it's almost 50% for you. So out of your income for that year, it's really only costing you half. So it's 9%. You're saving 9% because you're getting 9% back from the government. So it, oh, it's really oh. not its really not that daunting to, to but, save 18% but, 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 Jack, RSP. And I got to jump in here. From a wealth building perspective, friends at home, this is so important. Your largest expense in life is not death, it's taxes. That's right. Taxes are your largest expense if you work. If you don't work, well, you don't have to worry about taxes. You don't pay any. But for those who work, your largest expense in life will be taxes. You have to learn to manage your taxes. And the easy peasy means that for every Canadian they should be taking advantage of with the odd exception of a wealthy business owner is max out the RSP. As Jack said, if you put in $20,000, you'll likely receive somewhere between forty. 45, maybe 50% refund. Uh, and that too is building wealth. You put 20 in, you get a $10,000 refund. Now you got $30,000 to compound. And you compound $30,000, my friends, uh, say for uh, 21 years, three doubles, That's that becomes 30, becomes 60, it becomes 120, it becomes $240,000. So the, the, the $20,000 RSP contribution can turn into $240,000 if the S&P 500 repeats itself and if you um, uh, have earned a 50% tax bracket. So I, I think that's very compelling math that needs to continuously be stressed to our friends at home because we see how much unused RRSP room uh, goes by each and every year. And we're talking about billions upon billions of dollars. It's a missed opportunity. Uh, my friends, we're here for you, Jack and I, uh, Laura, uh, she is our wealth and estate planner at Canaccord. Delight to have her on the show, giving us some tips, and we're helping you uh, build wealth with a little uh, open air discussion on that matter. Stay tuned. Money. Let's take a break. But after, Wolf and Jack will continue their in depth discussion about money. You're listening to Hi Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Welcome back. It's a show about money. Hi-Fi Radio, my friends. It's a delight to be here each and every Saturday night with you on Global News 640 Toronto. Indeed. Um, $5 a day, compounded at 10%. Saved, invested for a 40-year period. Can get you close to $1 million. It's that simple. Uh, you know, building wealth really is simple. Not easy, but simple. Um, and I can't stress that point enough. Often we overthink stuff. Uh, things do change a little bit, so you have to stay uh, abreast of those changes. But building wealth is not complicated. Work, save, buy quality, 
do that for 25 or 30 years, you will be wealthy, peer ed. Um, but you have to understand the, the workings and how to best leverage a dollar um, and access a dollar. RESPs, for example, if you have children who are going to enter college or university, take advantage of it. There's a 20% government grant waiting for you. We spoke about RESPs and the importance of dealing with the taxman, your largest expense. If you, if you don't contribute to an RSP, they will take money from you. You will never get it back. So use the RSP and compound the government's money. That is such important mathematics. That's right. If you put 20 in, you now have $30,000 to work with, and that is serious compounding. Um, but I do want to discuss, uh, again, nuances and, and how you go about getting your money. Uh, I'm speaking now specifically to a Canada pension plan uh, and to the old age security. Uh, Laura, I'm going to ask you a few technical questions here. Please help me through because I'm, I'm actually dealing right now uh, with a family member who is uh, trying to collect a CPP, um, the human resource manager at their place of employment, uh, quit because they had too much work downloaded on them. And this corporation, a Canadian a uh, publicly traded company had one person dealing with retirees, and uh, now there's no one. So it's in bit limbo. But let's go um, begin with, in terms of how does a Canadian apply for their, their, the, the Canada Pension Plan? Uh, I do believe as soon as you turn 60, working or not, you can collect Canada Pension Plan. So can you please uh, help me uh, uh, speak to my family members to how they can go about collecting CPP uh, and uh, old age security? Yes, so you can always go on the Services Canada website and get your statement at any time um, so that you know if you retire at 60, how much you're eligible for CPP and how much you're eligible uh, for uh, at 65. So you do have to apply uh, in order to get that. So you do have to send it to Services Canada uh, and ask for your Canada Pension Plan. And the same thing also for old age security. So these things do not come automatically to you. Some people think that it comes automatically. Um, you can, you have to apply. Uh, another thing that also you have to watch out for is a lot of people think that old age security, you have to take it at 65. You can defer that. You can defer it up until the age of 70. And because... Old, you get, old, old age security? Yes, Yes, you can oh. defer it. Yeah, you can defer old age security. A lot of people, what happens is they think that they automatically have to take it. But the reality is, in some cases, it's beneficial to just defer it until age 70 because you get more money. Oh, because you can obviously defer CPP as well. It is nice of the government that they give us the chance not to take our money. If we wish, don't take the money. Wait. Now, again, there's a slight benefit to you. Get more if you wait. Um, CPP. Uh, if you is it the date of retirement that you're entitled to that money or is it once again you have to apply because um uh, my family member i think is being misinformed by cpp uh when i said you have to apply in the, the the moment you apply you're you're eligible but it's not retroactive is, is there any component to it which would allow it to be retroactive to date of retirement if you perchance got, got lost in the shuffle with human resources well, it's not really date of retirement. The earliest you can get it is 60. You can't get I understand, it if but if you retire at 61 um, and, and you're waiting for your company pension plan uh, to be settled, uh, do you have to apply or will, your, will the company that you work for apply for you and merge the two? 
No, you have to do that yourself. As far as I know, you have you to have do it yourself. And, and, as, yeah. and if you retire, say, in May and you apply in September, can it be retroactive to May or is it the date you apply that, when the clock begins? That actually, I'm not entirely sure, but I know that there okay. is a, a delay from when you apply. Um, that I'm not entirely sure of, of that uh, specific point. So both CPP and old age security, Canadians, when they want to receive it, they must apply. Old age security, you have to be 65 to, to, to qualify, and CPP, you have to be 60 to qualify. Obviously, you have to be uh, age 60, correct. Um, correct. Very, very good. L Laura, let's talk, and Jack as well, uh, back to some of the basics, uh, the simplicity of building wealth and a simple financial plan. Really, what does one need uh, in terms of a simple financial plan? I'm going to jump in, Wolf, on this one, just because in terms Please. of a simple, in terms of a simple plan, one of the most important things that I think anyone can do, and you said, you know, when you're 25 years old, I think you can start doing this. Um, have healthy financial habits. Spend less than you make and save regularly. It sounds simple. But it's amazing how many people don't do it. How many people run up their credit cards? They're paying 20% on a credit card when all they have to do, like I said, live within their means. Don't try and keep up with the Joneses. Um, and like I said, for savings. So pay yourself first. As soon as I get my paycheck on the 15th, which is, well, it's, I guess, yesterday because we're recording on, we're recording on a Thursday. So it's tomorrow. Money is going to leave my bank account, go into my RSP. It's going to go into my kids' RESP. It's going into the TFSA. I've already allocated that money, so it's not going to be spent. Discipline. Really? It's all about discipline. Uh, you know, again, I can't echo Jack's point enough. Uh, work, save, and live not within, but beneath your means. Live beneath your means. Uh, anyone can live within their means or beyond their means, but no, live beneath your means. And that, is, is, the delta, is what will help you build well so you can live better than anyone you know. Um, Laura, uh, again, some of the key things we need for a proper financial plan, there is the, the, the plan itself, there's a will, uh, a life insurance review, uh, and perhaps some special needs, but let, let's not go down there. But to, to put all that together, uh, how long uh, for, for an individual to have a, a, a simple financial plan that makes sense to them, that is doable, that's actionable uh, along with a will uh, and an insurance review and again insurance requires medical and, 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 and the like so to, to put all that together how long would that take and uh, yeah so, so typically um, our process uh, Wolfgang is uh, we'll have a discussion with the client find out the information I'll work on the plan um, so the first discussion will take probably half an hour. Then I'll do my work on my side. The plan presentation will take um, about an hour with the action items. Um, and then after that, uh, we execute on whatever action items there are. So, I mean, if we're very organized, we can start putting a lot of things uh, in, in motion within a couple of weeks' time. And then, of course, there's the will. Uh, I've run through that several times. That is, again, a discussion or two uh, with your lawyer, your solicitor. Uh, they will then walk away, draft uh, documents. Uh, they will review the documents with you, make changes, perhaps do a final draft, have you sign off. Usually a copy remains with the lawyer in a fireproof box. Uh, you need to let your executors know 
where the document is. That's very, very important. And friends, please do not pass away intestate. That means without will. Do not do it. You have to have a will. Uh, look, if you're if you're single, living at home, and you passed away, not a big deal, according to the the, the little law I know. Money would flow right back to your parents and to your to your uh, siblings. But uh, beyond that, as soon as you build some assets and some wealth, you got to think about a will where you want to allocate those in the unlikely event. And as soon as you get married, you need to have a will for yourself and a family will, uh, and that needs to also incorporate. Um, powers of attorney in the event that you become incapacitated, uh, both physically and mentally, granting your executor or someone else to uh, deal with your affairs while you're still alive. Uh, very important stuff to do. Do it while you're in sound mind and in good health um, and, and have the time to think this stuff through, but you have to get started. It's important uh, stuff. You know, building wealth and, and taking care of ourselves is truly our responsibility. And if we fess up to it and we make it fun and turn it into a game, it can be just that. You know, play it better if you treat it uh, accordingly. Uh, don't you agree, Jack? Absolutely. You say it's a, it's a game, but it's fun when you actually see your wealth compounding. And it, it, again, it takes time and takes process. It doesn't happen overnight. And upfront, really, that the heavy lifting is done by those healthy financial habits that we talked about, the, the saving, you know, saving, you say $5 a day, that's not exciting or saving, you know, if you're going to save $1,000 a month, you know, the first $100,000 that you save, it's going to take you years to actually do that. But over time, you talk about the magic of compounding, it does become a fun process when you can see your money work for you. Because if you know, you get that $100,000, then you get 10% on that. Over time, again, it doesn't happen immediately. Um, and you see the, 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 the market start to do the heavy lifting for you or your portfolio start to do the heavy lifting. And it's, it's all about buying those quality assets. It's not about, you know, trying to find the next meme stock or trying to find the next um, you know, technology trend that's going to double your account in, in, you know, two days or a week or something. That's not the process because that's more like buying a lottery ticket. You want the slow, steady, high probable outcome of building wealth. And it starts with a foundation. You know, friends, if, if you want more detail on this, please visit us at our website, wolfgangkline.com. Uh, I wrote a number of articles uh, about uh, uh, the wealthy Canadians, um, where you should be at certain stages in your life and what the end number should look like uh, if you follow proper process so you have to set targets along the way in other words if you're playing golf there's 18 holes and each each hole has its own uh score uh so you have to play hole by hole but don't defer uh set goals for age 30 for age 40 for age 50 for age 60 but a multiple to your income it should be the ultimate target so when you retire uh some practitioners believe you should have somewhere between 10 and 15 times your last year's income. So if you're currently 64 or 65 and you make $100,000 a year, you should have a roughly $1.5 million in your RRSP. If you make $200,000, you should have $3 million in your RRSP. So that is sort of the mass. If you make $50,000, 15 times that is $750,000. So it's just one rule of thumb, but it's fun to use rule of thumbs as, as some kind of a guide and benchmark just to see if you're on track or not. But look, if you have any questions, you always contact Jack or I, uh, website wolfgangkline.com. Send us a note. We'll reach right back to you. I always enjoy uh, speaking with our listeners. Laura, uh, a real pleasure. Uh, a little financial planning tune-up. 
back to basics. It's the most important stuff. Uh, it's great to partner with you. Uh, my clients really, really enjoy working with you. You're very helpful. I want to wish you, Alara, a safe weekend. We'll speak with you soon. Uh, we're going to speak with one of our analysts, Ari Vinder Galipadik. Uh, he's a media and tech analyst, excuse me, media and telecom analyst. Um, very cutting edge stuff he looks at. It's going to be a great discussion. You stay tuned, my friends. Don't go anywhere. There's more great show after this. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Let your fingers do the walking. Let your fingers do the Don't go away, my friends. No, stay with us. Indeed. Uh, it's iFi Radio. It's iFi Radio. Yet your fingers do the walking. If you remember that, you're old. Well, not really. Uh, you're as old as you feel, my good friends, and may you feel youthful this evening. Uh, we're speaking with Arivinda Galipada. He is one of our uh, key analysts. In fact, he's a top ranked analyst, according to Starmine um, Media and Telecom is his forte. And I, I was just going down your roster of companies you cover. You, of course, cover uh, this very broadcasting studio, Chorus Entertainment. Um, you cover Cineplex, Post Media, um, wow, and, and Yellow Pages. Uh, I have not seen one of those books in eons. Um, and I do know that they uh, morph themselves into, obviously, a digital uh, transmission service. But to, why don't we speak to Yellow Pages and their business model, Arivinda? Um, is there sizzle uh, in the old uh, Yellow Pages? Hi, uh, no, you know, so with respect to Yellow Pages, I think uh, the strategy under the current uh, CEO is to sort of really harvest sort of the, you know, to kind of cut cost and really kind of harvest the cash flow at this stage. So, you know, while there are fairly steep declines, uh, the declines are, you know, you know, the declining phase still comes with a lot of cash flow. So, you know, we project that they could be sitting on as much as a hundred million dollars in cash by the end of uh, net cash by the end of this quarter. So um, there's, there's still a lot of cash there. They generate close to a hundred million dollars in free cash flow a year as well. So you know, even though you know we here in Toronto might look at this product as sort of you know gone ten years ago, it still takes a little while for that decline to sort of play out. There's still a couple of hundred million dollars worth of sales that they do a year, and then uh, on, they also obviously have an online business that is also. I mean, it's tough because they're competing with the Googles of the world, but it there is. There are elements within it that are sort of holding up things like Google reseller, uh, the Google reseller business. Essentially, you know, you're supporting the small to medium sized businesses and helping them with their websites and helping them sort of uh, sort of uh, set up your Google AdWords programs and so forth. So the, the key, I think, for Yellow is that they have 300, maybe 400 sales staff that is still connected to a couple of hundred thousand SMEs, and uh, I think there is a there is a part forward by making them sort of the sales force that sells various other products to that group because it's a it's a valuable group to target. So I think that's sort of the approach. But for now, it's really about the cash flow and then the balance sheet. A, a newspaper. Um, my my sister was uh, works at, at at a grocery store, and she said, "Wolf, you'd be so." I was a I was a paper boy when I was a when I was a lad. Toronto Star. 
uh, I had my route, 30 people, went around the neighborhood and uh, did my thing six days a week. When it went to seven days, I quit. <laughs> I was eight, I was 10 years old. <laughs> but my point is, PSA Wolf, you'd be surprised how few newspapers we sell. She said, I think we get three uh, Friday uh, Toronto stars on uh, Saturday stars. You might get 10 or 15 in her store and they don't all sell. Um, really, do I see some in the office reading a newspaper? Only Fred Farkham would, would do such a thing. Um, so, so, so post media, uh, well, what does that business uh, have uh, in, in its uh, shell? Yeah, I think it's it's still the same old sort of city newspapers. So they're they're sort of you know they're trying to create some digital media platforms around those brands. But the truth is that uh, it's really the uh, sort of the larger entities like the New York Times and the Times of London and so forth that can actually survive longer term. So, mm -hmm. you know, as the print media space is essentially gone. I mean, it's, it's just, at least as far as Canada is concerned, it's just about sort of harvesting the cash. Um, there's very little that they can kind of do on a long-term basis. As I said, a company like Yellow Pages has that sales staff and that link to that valuable uh, SME base, but you know, the tour stars, I mean, tour star, for example, was sold um, for, for, for virtually nothing, virtually nothing to, uh, to, to this kind of, to this private equity shop, North Star. Um, so it's, there's not much, if, if, unless you are a major brand like a New York Times, I think it's very difficult to sort of survive long term. No, impressive how the New York Times has held up uh, as well as it has. Uh, sorry, Jack, you want to uh, jump in there? Yeah, just just these companies that Wolfgang's mentioning. So obviously, Post Media and Yellow Pages—they're in secular decline. You've addressed that, our vendor. So, what what does an investor actually pay for these types of businesses in terms of multiples uh, to to free cash flow? I guess, and are they covering their dividend? Uh, yellow is uh, Post doesn't have a mere dividend. Um, it's it's it trades at you know, three times EV to EBITDA, two to three times EV to EBITDA. So it's, wow. it's, it's really down to the bottom there. Yeah. Just to put that in perspective, a company like Shopify, I mean, they're trading at like 30 times revenue. Obviously, it's a secular growth story, but it just gives you a, a, an example of how, what the disparity is in the market and how much willing people are willing to pay for growth versus, um, you know, cash flow and decline. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you a better example on, on the value versus growth dynamic. Uh, take take chorus for example right i mean chorus is you know it's not in the in the print media category as far as declines are concerned but the market is treating it like a severely declining uh entity uh if you look at the valuation so you'll be surprised that chorus is trading at a free cash flow yield of nearly 22 to 23 percent that's a four times little over four times price to free cash flow which is staggering um and the truth is that television advertising and subs are declining, you know, less than 4%, less than 5% a year on a go-forward basis. 5% would be a bad year. I would say 3% negative would be a good year. But these are not precipitous declines. But even a kind of a more stable to declining story like that is being treated quite harshly in terms of valuations. It's trading at four times EV to ever does. So I think that kind of gives you a sense of the... Uh, Sort of the value versus growth dynamic uh, as to how much uh, that 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 ratio has really swung. No, the market's incredible because again, and if if you're going to wade into the world of value, because there's two plays right now in the market. There's a value trade and there is a growth trade. Uh, the growth trade, as Jack alluded to, is the likes of Shopify, a company that trades at 30 times sales 
uh, and has very, very minuscule earnings today. Obviously, you're paying for that in the future. So 30 times sales versus a business that's in decline but generating tons of cash, trading at three times cash flow. And again, your point about course, again, this, this very company here, um, is being thrown in with the print media category, but being an ex-broadcast uh, student and and and, and practitioner, uh, I will say traditional broadcast has been uh, very very resilient for my entire career, and and even as the world goes digital, uh, I, I'm still uh, pleasantly pleased to see uh, the sustainability of the business model. Challenge perhaps, but certainly not that of print media. Look, we're going to take a quick break. Get back with our media and telecom analyst uh, Aravinda Galipata. Uh, top-ranked analyst, Starmine Magazine. A delight to have him on his day off, helping us out here. Uh, you stay tuned, my friends. We'll be right back. Money. Listen, we're going to take a break. But when we come back, money. more money talk. You're listening to Hi-Fi Radio from Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Oh, love it. Yeah, had let them run long. Indeed. Hi-Fi Radio, my friends. Wolfgang Klein, Jack Hartle. Any questions? WolfgangKlein.com. Uh, Aravinda Galipada is here. He's our media and telecom analyst. Uh, we're talking traditional media. Uh, before we jump into new media uh, and how the world has so changed in the last 20 years, um, I was astounded uh, at my Bell Canada bill. Uh, my family plan with uh, Wi-Fi and whatever else we have, over $500 a month. It, my jaw dropped. I, I don't pay the bills. I, well, I do pay the bills. I don't pay the bills. Um, I couldn't believe how much I'm giving to a, a media and telecom company. Uh, when I began working at Chorus Radio in 1988, uh, and I moved out when I was 25, my first phone bill, I think, was $28. My Rogers, I think, was $35. Uh, and yes, I had a cell phone, an, an in-car mount cell phone. It was so cool. Lots of lights, little antenna on the back. I was so hip in 1988. Uh, and I think that was about $100. Uh, that was Rogers Cantel. Remember them? Uh, <laughs> $500 today, fast forwarded 20, some of 30 years, whatever the numbers. It's incredible. Um, so I, I, you have to respect uh, Rogers. You have to respect Bell Canada um, for how they took uh, old technology and, and embraced new technology, i.e. wireless internet and the likes, and morphed themselves into a powerful uh, distribution network. Uh, where do they go from here? Yeah, I think the uh, the consumer side of the market is sort of uh, starting to to mature. We probably have, if you think of it, to start with wireless, wireless penetration in Canada is, I think, in the 90s, low 90s, 91, 92%, depending on sort of which way you look at it. But it can go to 115 to 120% uh, as it has in the U.S. So there is a little bit, there's a few more years of growth on the volume side there as far as cons on, as far as the consumer side of the business goes. Uh, in, in terms of wireline, there really isn't a lot of growth because whatever growth there is in, uh, in internet, it's being offset by obviously declining video subscriber, uh, the declining video subscriber base as well as local line. So uh, in the wireline business, it's a different dynamic. You want to sort of, you know, you're getting to the, to the end of a lot long CapEx cycle. 
So it's going to be all about free cash flow on the wireline front. But in wireless, there's four to five years of growth left in the, in the consumer side, where the value or the upside could be, and there's not much visibility at this point, is with respect to 5G, and 5G would really be an enterprise product. It's about it's about smart cities and how you know you can operate uh, more automated production flows uh, in uh, you know in the, in the industrial sector. You know, eventually spilling over to things like autonomous vehicles and so forth. I think we're several years away from that, but it's it's those kinds of applications that I think would come into play as 5G really takes off. That's sort of where the future would lie. Yeah, when do we expect that in Canada, Arvinda? You know, if you if you listen to Verizon, who was sort of really lead, leading the drumbeat several years ago, it should have been here by now. But it has, I think, it was over over hyped and oversold. So it's been it's it's been coming for a while, but it's been delayed. So right now, as far as five G is concerned, it's almost non-existent in Canada. The only thing you get is slightly higher speeds on your wireless phone. And, you know, they're not even charging you more than your regular 4G, so it's hardly non-existent. So this could take another three to four years, but it's real technology. It's, you know, there are, 5G is not just one thing. It has like five, six technologies that are kind of compiled together to, to, to make up the next generation of telecommunication. So I would say we're at least, you know, I would say 2024, 2025 before we start to see it in a, in a, in a you know, ubiquitous fashion. Let's just talk content, if we may, Arivinda. Uh, you cover Cineplex. That's another one of your companies. Uh, Cineplex is all about movie releases. And obviously, COVID has shut, shut down Hollywood. Um, what, what, what are the, your, your people telling you about uh, inventory, new production coming to market? Because I'm dying to see some good movies, and, I'm, and there's a lot of stale inventory out there. Yeah, I think that... Um... You know, look, I mean, you know, Bond opened last week, so we're starting to finally get a decent sort of slate going. And, and there are a number of shows, a number of uh, new releases that were delayed because production was held up or the distribution was held up because of uh, the pandemic condition. So next year should be a good, uh, uh, you know, should see a good uh, slate. Uh, but, you know, the recovery has been slow. I think we're back up to about 50 percent. Uh, of uh, pre-pandemic levels, so there's a little bit more to go. We'll see when they release their results uh, next month. But, you know, based on what they're hoping to be close to three-fourths of pre-pandemic levels by the end of the year, but I think they're at about the halfway point right now. Um, I think the main point as far as uh, the exhibition industry goes is that, you know, the, the, in, the media industry has changed as far as the big conglomerates that produce these big hit shows like Disney and Warner um, and even Universal, these shops have their own, they have their own uh, direct-to-consumer platforms, Disney Plus, HBO Max. And the, the game is now really about whose digital platform is doing better and has more subs. So whatever they need to do, including putting those films within their platform and trying to drive subs, they will do. So the desire to kind of, you know, support the theatrical model has diminished from that perspective. So you have to kind of ask yourself about, you know, what would happen to theatrical windows and so forth, because the studios don't need the theaters as badly as they did maybe five years ago. That's, that's very fascinating. 
very, very fascinating. Direct to consumer, and they're bypassing the studio. And so uh, they, they, they're vertically integrated. The content creators are now the distributors as well, which means the individual has to have multiple subscriptions if they want to get it all. Eventually, there'll be some consolidation. But yes, I mean, it eventually adds up to the same cable bill that you were talking about when you kind of add Disney Plus and HBO Max and Netflix and so forth. Indeed. Well, uh, Arvinder, we're out of time, my good friend. Uh, a real pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, Top-rated analyst, uh, Arvinder Galipada. He's our media and telecom analyst. A delight, a treat, a pleasure, my good friends. You stay safe, uh, and I'll see you downtown very, very soon. Friends, that's it for the show. Uh, don't forget, work, save, live beneath your means, invest in quality. Do that for 20 or 30 years. You'll be rich. Have a great weekend. Listening to Hi Fi Radio with Wolfgang Klein and Jack Hartle, portfolio managers at Canaccord Genuity Wealth Management. For questions about today's show or any money questions you need answered, email Wolf and Jack at WolfgangKlein.com. Hi Fi Radio, for the love of money. We'll see you next week.